This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host Ryan England and I'm here with Jeremy McLiver. Jeremy, say hi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest today uh, because what she's solving, the problem she's solving is something we hear a lot, especially in the SMB space, the small and medium-sized business. And she's been solving this healthcare crisis for employers who were sure there was nothing they could do to control their costs or make it a better experience for employees. We all know healthcare costs and insurance costs are going up right now. She actually co-authored the Amazon bestseller, Breaking Through the Status Quo, How Innovative Companies Are Changing the Benefits Game to Help Their Employees and Boost Their Bottom Line. And she was recently recognized as a 2019 Top Women in Advising by Benefits Pro magazine. I'd like to welcome Allison DePauli to the show today. Thank you, Allison, for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Pleasure to be here. So I always like to start with hearing a little bit about your story, a little bit about your journey, how you got into helping companies save money, uh, use their benefits package as a differentiator when they're looking for people. How did you get to where you are today? So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather, my father, my uncles, my cousins, we've, we've all owned some variety of business, some some very small, some kind of mid-sized with several hundred employees. And we always took very good care of our employees, paid most of the health insurance premium, provided resources to make sure that the workplace was appropriate and it was a good place to work. People were paid well, had great benefits. And the things that we used to do, there isn't an employer I know that can do them anymore. And I've been in the benefit space for longer than I care to admit. And I was in the benefit side, the traditional medical dental vision kind of benefit side, pivoted into another part of the benefit space and woke up one day and thought, this train has really gone off the rails. And there, there, I know that there are things that you can do to help contain this problem. So I pivoted my firm back into the medical side. And there are wonderful tools now to help contain costs and make the healthcare system a better give a better user experience to people who use the plan and make it useful for them. Because right now, most employers are functionally uninsuring their employees. And many employers realize that and do not know how to fix it. So I'm listening to you talk about this, and it sounds like you're pretty passionate about small business, medium business, but more importantly, this this health side of it, whether we call it insurance, benefits, healthcare. uh, I hear a little bit of passion there. Where is that coming from? This is not one of those topics that people usually like to talk about. No, people will occasionally run away screaming. Um, I'm a little bit of an insurance (laughs) nerd, so I know you'll get me back on the rails when I jump off there. But, you know, employers offer benefit packages to offer a benefit. And and a plan with a a $3,500 or a $5,000 or even a $2,500 deductible is not usable for most people. Most people, over 50%, don't have $1,000 in their checking account to cover an unexpected expense, and and almost 80% don't have 
$400 to cover an unexpected expense. And the, the result of that is like this vicious circle, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The $2,500 deductible so you don't get care because you don't feel well because it costs, you know, several hundred or several thousand dollars to get care. Most people use the emergency room as their first place of care, so they're not going to go. And then you add, you have somebody in the emergency room six months later or a year later who has just spent $40,000 of your money. And if you are self-insured or fully insured, and we can talk about the difference between the two in a second, it's still your money. So how do you yeah. rebuild that to make uh, it work for an employee? No, it, it totally makes sense. I be an entrepreneur myself. This is something that I think about usually once a year when it's time to re-enroll people and, and figure out everything. <laughs> and um, one of my least favorite times of the year, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of insurance because it's become so overly complicated in the last few yeah. years. Um, but um, but I like what you're saying, just like thinking about it just a little bit differently, um, almost from the employee's perspective. Is that right? So the the dirty secret of the healthcare world is that the highest quality care is generally in the bottom quartile of cost. So I think What's that mean? driving people, what that means is if you take, let's use knee replacements as an example. Um, a knee replacement, depending on the provider, so the surgeon, the facility, and what goes on in the emergency room, in the operating room, can cost right? And that doesn't make any sense, right? When you go back and look at all the providers that have done that surgery, you will find the ones with the highest quality metrics, which are almost impossible to figure out, by the way, are the ones that are charging in the bottom quartile of those costs, almost always. Why Why is that? Why? (laughs) Because they know, because they do a lot of it, right? So, so if you're going to have your knee replaced, my advice to you would be to look for somebody that does two or 300 a year because they know what they're doing. They have a team that knows what they're doing. They have seen everything and they want to do it and be on to the next one. So they're going to make sure that it's done right. If you have somebody that does this two or three or four times a year, they don't have a lot of experience and things can go off the rails quickly, which will escalate your costs, not just for the procedure, but for the aftermath of the procedure. So it's almost like uh, in business, once you have a process and it's something you can repeat and do uh, over and over and over again, you can usually bring costs down, which is something that Jeremy and I are both very passionate about. Uh, Yes, because you know where the pitfalls are. We know, and we know how to overcome them without a lot of overhead or burden. Um, So for the business owners listening right now that are thinking, you know what, this is all great, but how does that help me? Like as someone who has to just select a new insurance plan or have this conversation with you and think about the company as a whole, how does that information benefit them? The information alone, as in most situations, does not benefit them. They have to know how to get what is going on, get the information about what is going on in their own plan. And when you're smaller, when you're, when you're under 100 lives, 100 employees enrolled on your plan, that can be a challenge. Um, I am beta-ing a new tool, which will allow us to get at that information 
um, even if your insurer doesn't want to give it to you, which is typically the case. And what you really need to do is follow something that I call the benefits advantage roadmap. That is just my, my process for it. And once you have your data, and it is you, as the employer, it is your data. Um, I live in Texas. You have a right to get your data twice a year. The insurance company has to give it to you. Um, so once you get your data and you see what's going on, you'll know what's driving your cost. And then there are tools that you can use to direct savings at those costs. So finding different providers, high quality providers, helping people understand how to find and helping them find a high quality provider. Um, pharmacy, the pharmacy spend is the fastest growing part of a health plan for many employers. It's almost 25% of their budget now. That is the easiest wow. place to pull out 25 or 30% savings without disrupting employees. So the pharmacy spend is, so what you're, what you're talking about here is with this data, we can now make very pinpointed decisions yes. on where we're going to target and improve, you know, and part of the almost focus process improve. Yeah. Focus our efforts in on that specific area. Cause if we're having a rise in pharmacy costs, we can focus on training our employees how to be selective, protective in that space versus it might not be an emergency room visits. that's really costing us a lot right now. Right. So, so you might, you might have, a, I live in South Texas. Metabolic uh, syndrome is a huge problem here. So metabolic syndrome is pre-diabetes and diabetes. And you may have a hundred employees and you may have 10 or 15 people that have diabetes. If the employees that you have are taking their medicine, getting their routine checkup, uh, getting their eyes examined, getting their teeth cleaned, that's really not a lot of money. Taking the medication that is prescribed, those, that is really not very expensive. That may be a couple of thousand dollars a year in cost per employee. It may be even less. If you have 10 or 15 people that have diabetes on your plan and people aren't taking their medication because they can't afford it, they haven't been to the eye doctor because they don't know how to get to the eye doctor, they don't want to pay for it out of their pocket, and they don't get their teeth cleaned, that is $40,000 in your emergency room at some point in time. And it's just a shift in thinking to understanding how to value services and how to help people access care. And another oxymoron in, in the health insurance space is that the more care that is delivered, the lower your costs are over time. Yes, for those 10 or 15 people that have diabetes, they're going to be regular users of care. They're going to be regular users of preventive care and low-cost medication which is very different from being a, a type four visit in the endocrinologist's office and having very complicated medications. That was one of the, that reminds me of something one of our prior guests said. Um, he was an attorney. He says it's cheaper to stay out of trouble than it is to get out of trouble. That's absolutely. almost what you're saying here. Is that right? That is absolutely what I'm saying here. So how do the we traditional health plan won't give you the tools to do that? So how do we bring this down to that business owner that is wearing 17 different hats of uh, risk management is one of them. Employee mm -hmm. engagement is one of them. Hiring is one of them. They've got all these hats on and the, the health benefits part is really important, uh, especially in, in today's marketplace. How do we bring that down to the business owner who's already running a business? And, and a lot of the stuff you said, like it makes sense, but how do you do that? 
How do I learn something else to do my business? I would argue that you should not learn something else. You should be working with partners who know how to do this and can do that for you. So there's a little review. There's a little extra review that you need to do, particularly as you're implementing the layers of strategy. And for most of my clients, we run on a generally a three to five year strategy. We're not gonna change everything at, at once unless there's a huge financial problem in the business. But we're gonna work you know, two, three, four, five years out and layer things in over time. But for a, a recent client of mine, we did not change their health insurance carrier and we did not change their uh, prescription card. We put in some tools in the background and that allowed the employer to do a couple of things. They changed their plans and we reduced their deductible. That's the only change we did. We didn't change the network or the insurance company or anything like that. And we just changed, reduced the deductible. Reduced the deductible. Um, so we lowered it for all of our employees? We lowered it. And That's not the normal right it. now? That is not normal. We lowered it. We changed all maintenance medications, generic maintenance medications to a zero dollar copay which means that they didn't now have to pay 10 or 15 dollars they could pay zero dollars so all they had to do is show up in the pharmacy with their drug card and they would get their medication at zero cost generics only and then we put a couple of tools in the background and in their pocket to reduce their cost and the tools were there were three tools one was an advocacy service that the employee could call at any time to get guidance about medical decisions. Um, if they have a, a medical crisis, if they have an ongoing condition, um, they could reach out 24 hours a day to talk to a nurse to help get their information filled out or maybe get directed to another provider or make sure that they were receiving the right course of treatment. The ad, this nursing, this care management service also reaches out to employees that have chronic conditions, small or large, and makes sure that they are doing all of their preventive care and that their treatment plan meets industry guidelines. If it doesn't, they're welcome to continue it, but if they're concerned about that, then the nurse is there to help provide some additional resources. The care management will also vet providers and um, this example might be funny for some of your, your listeners. Um, the CFO of one of our clients um, called the care management company and said, I need a knee replacement. I did my research. I'm going to this facility and I'm going to go to this doctor. Are we set? And the nurse said, we really like the facility. It's very highly rated, but we're not really wild about this physician. He has a 26% readmit rate. There are these other two physicians that practice at the same facility. One has a 1% readmit rate and the other has a 2% readmit rate. Do you think you might want to um, visit with one of them about doing your surgery? And the CFO laughed and said, I chose that guy because he was the head of the department <laughs> and ended up choosing one of the others to do his surgery. So as, as a consumer, you really don't have good tools to know who, who's a high quality provider and who's not, right? So give people that. It helps your employees. You're doing something good for your employees, and it helps you control your costs. You'll pay thirteen or twenty-six thousand dollars for that knee replacement rather than forty-eight or sixty-four or one hundred twenty-seven. 
And then we did some alternate sourcing for pharmacy, uh, which allowed them to source brand and specialty drugs at a better cost. So I'm hearing all of this. And as an entrepreneur, I'm thinking, okay, you're really taking on this perspective of what's in the best interest of the employee. Correct. Um, better benefits, more tools, all that other stuff. I just see dollar signs costing me more and more money. But that's not really what's going on here, is it? It is not what is going on here. Uh, let me give you an example for uh, one of my clients where we just implemented this alternate sourcing program. Um, I just reviewed uh, a couple of their prescriptions, and there were three prescriptions that we used an alternate source for, and rather than costing $3,446 at the pharmacy, they were $1,200, three prescriptions. Wow. Now multiply that by the number of employees you have, and that's substantial savings. And in that alternate sourcing, the employee copay can go away. So not only are you benefiting by paying less, the employee is paying less also. So I know you have the book out um, about uh, the, pardon me, there at the uh, instant EBITDA, five steps to gain control over your healthcare spend. So what yes. does this look like for the business owner? So instant EBITDA is a guide that an employer can use to map out their journey. I would recommend that you have a, an advisor who sits on your side of the table when you do that. But basically, what you're looking for is who's spending the most money. So find out, find out what kind of claims are, are driving your, your claim spend, right? Then look for tools to help contain that cost. Tools that will drive to quality, make sure diagnoses are, co are correct, control the cost. You know, a PPO discount is a made-up number of a made-up number, honestly. Um, Communicate it to employees. I think employers often forget that employees have budgets too. They want high quality for themselves and their families, and they don't want to pay any more for it than you do, right? Absolutely. Then, uh, so roll it out, refine it, because the tools are changing rapidly and getting better every day, and then just optimize, optimize, optimize every year. There's always more things that you can do to help people access high quality care and control the cost. So, so as a, a business owner thinking about this, what was that? I, I said, it sounds simple. It's not always easy, which is why you need people well, that work on your behalf. And that's where I was going to go with this. So it's definitely sounds like it's, it's become a lot more complex. It's something that, I imagine is changing quite frequently. Uh, and unless you've got a champion on your team who does not work for the insurance companies or a healthcare provider, uh, the odds of you being able to figure all this out because of the complexities is pretty slim. So Correct. what's that look like having someone on my team to help me with this? I am a big believer in both transpar transparency and fiduciary obligation. Uh, and I think that whoever you are, you are obligated to the person that signs your check, right? So does your advisor work on a fee basis and do you pay that fee basis? 
or do they work on a commission basis and are they paid by somebody else? That's a question to ask. The next question to ask is, are my contracts fiduciary contracts? Do all of my vendors have fiduciary responsibility to me? I think that people are entitled to make a living and a good living at that. If I'm writing the check, I deserve to know what I'm paying. And often when there's a commission or the, you know, or if you're fully insured, then there's a commission, there is a whole host of things that are never disclosed to an employer block retention bonuses, renewal bonuses. Once you hit a certain threshold, there's often an additional quarter or half a point or even sometimes a full point in commission that is never disclosed to the employer. And most people will tell you, well, the employer doesn't pay that. Really? Who's paying the premium? (laughs) There's no such thing as a free lunch. There is no such thing as a free lunch. So So there's a lot of numbers there. And yeah, so there's a lot of things that happens behind the scenes that uh, as business owners, we're just simply not aware of because it sounds like that's the way the industry has built itself over the last few years. What are some of the, if you could share a couple of success stories with us, some things that you've been a part of and you've been able to make huge changes, not just for the employer and their bottom line, but it was something that really made things better for the employee. Sure. Um, So my client that I was mentioning earlier, um, we had a, I was explaining some of these services about how there was now care management and they were gonna reach out and you could call them anytime. And we had an alternate sourcing mechanism for prescriptions. And if you took an expensive medication, they were going to reach out to you as well. And there was a, a gentleman sitting in the back and um, he looked a little grouchy to me. And that happens sometimes at open enrollment meetings. He raised his hand. And for a moment, I thought, oh, no, here we go. And he said, I just want to be clear. I have a kid with a complicated medical condition. Somebody's going to call me and make sure that the care plan is right. Yes, sir. And she takes a lot of medication. Somebody's going to call me and tell me how I don't have to pay so much for this medication. Yes, sir. And he said, I Mm -hmm. think that's terrific. Thank you. I've never had that experience in an, in an open enrollment meeting before. So that is personally quite satisfying to me. Um, and I'm happy to report that his medication costs and the employer's medication costs have decreased substantially. And his daughter is, in fact, on the right care treatment plan and is doing quite well. Right. So I think those, those are both wins. And from, from an employer side, uh, for another client of mine, a manufacturer who works on a very small margin, um, they have about a little over 100 employees on their plan. And they changed from one um, company to another, one third-party administrator to another. So when you're self-insured, that's who administers your claim. This one has fiduciary responsibility to the employer. We changed some internal mechanisms of the plan about how things were paid, kept the plan design the same, and implemented one cost containment service. So the plan is an HSA plan and has a $4,000 deductible. So that's a little complicated when you're trying to save people money. The minimum deductible that you can have on an HSA plan is $1,350. So when an employee needs something, a surgery, inpatient or outpatient, advanced imaging, lab work, whatever, they call this service. The service negotiates a cash price for them, 
and the employer passes on 100% of the savings to the employee until their deductible is 100 has been met. So they have to pay the first, the employee has to pay the first 1350, which makes it a little complicated, but between 1350 and $4,000, the employer pays 100% if they use the service. Wow. It, it's been a it's been a win for both. Employees have, you know, gotten faster treatment because they pay less for it and the employer has saved a significant amount of money. That, those are those are great stories. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit. As you know, this is the Blue Collar Culture podcast, and we're really passionate about helping business owners uh, when they're growing, being able to build effective teams, create amazing cultures inside of their business, and really just be excited about the team they're building. And it comes up a lot. We don't talk about it a lot in in the book or in our podcasts. Uh, we actually have a book about building effective teams. We really don't talk about benefits a lot because it changes frequently. It's a very complex subject. You could write a whole book just on how to navigate the, the health benefits world. When it comes to building teams, looking for people in today's job market where we have one of the lowest unemployment rates, when it comes to keeping good people, what impact can a good benefits package have? Well, a, a typical skilled manufacturing job is, about 100% of somebody's salary to replace, correct? That's okay. about right. Might be a little bit high depending on the job, but somewhere in there, some, about 100% is normal. So if you can retain one employee by offering a better benefits plan, perhaps a 100% plan, that's always my goal is to get employers to, to the point where the employee is seeking high quality care, there's nothing coming out of their pocket you've just saved one person's annual salary. Now multiply that by five or seven. Benefits still mm. count for more than salary, just a little bit, and your salary can't be really off. But if an employee is looking at two positions, and let's say that each one pays $40,000 a year, and one has a $5,000 out of pocket on their medical plan, and one has zero, which is more appealing? Of course. And which one costs less? Probably the one with zero out of pocket. Probably the one with zero out of pocket. And not only does it cost the employer less, it costs the employee less. And benefits are retained, are valued a little bit higher than salary, so you can both keep and recruit. And you know, it's less expensive, right? It's it's less expensive to have a I know this is gonna sound very oxymoronic for many people. It is more cost effective to have a rich high quality benefits plan than it is to increase your payroll. You can control the cost of the high quality benefits plan more effectively over time than you can a salary increase. So let's say that your annual healthcare spend is the national average of about $15,000 per employee. What does it mean for your business if you can get it to 10? What if it mean, does it mean for your business if you can get it to six? And what does it mean if you can get it to 3,500. If you can contain that cost, imagine what you can do. You can hire more people. You can open a new division. You can open a new location. The sky is the limit. And it becomes, that becomes predictable, repeatable, and you get real ROI because people want it and they like it and they'll stay for it. So I, I love I mean, the oxymoronic piece, we could probably spend another 45 minutes just digging into that, how a richer health plan can actually be 
less expensive. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that I hear a lot is, this is great for big companies. When you've got 10,000 people, you've got enough people that can really help you drive the cost down and you can offer richer benefit plans. I mean, if, if I've got 50 employees or 100 employees, can I even do this stuff? Absolutely. Um, it requires that you be willing to look at your healthcare division because even if you're not in the healthcare benefit business, if you offer healthcare, if you offer health insurance benefits, you have a healthcare division. It requires that you look at it like you look at all of your other expenses. I don't know a manufacturer who doesn't know the cost of every input, and they know what inputs produce what kind of output. So it requires that you look at your healthcare spend like you look at your cost of goods sold. And that requires a different kind of benefit partner. And it is a partnership because there are, there are decisions to be made and rules of the road to follow. So once you look at it like that and you understand that you can manage that risk like you manage every other risk in your business, it completely changes how you deal with the plan. Hmm. So it's really just thinking about benefits just different than we've been trained to think about it, which is an expense. It's expensive. Yeah. It's complicated. If you have the right partner, you can really make a ton of headway in saving the company money, saving the employee money, and offering these rich because the competition may not be doing it. Correct. And you know, in Texas, employment is less than three percent. So, you know. The war for talent is real, and manufacturers are, are pretty challenged all over our state. So anything that you can do to recruit without having to increase your wage base, I think, is a, is a, a valuable thing to have. And you want to keep those that you want to keep. And now with, with everything that's happening in the world in these last few weeks, you know, economic uncertainty is, is even more prevalent than it was a couple of months ago. So sure. anything you can do to lower your cost becomes more important, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And reducing turnover helps lower costs. Uh, mm-hmm. And Significantly. being able to hire more easily lowers costs. Absolutely. You're not always competing on pay. So, Allison, I mean, this has been, it has been a little technical information. And I think the big lesson for me here is that if you offer health benefits, you've got to have a partner that's on your side of the table. Yes. Is that, that is right? the biggest takeaway. That is the biggest takeaway. You want somebody so, that sits on the same side of the table as you. So for those listeners out there that are going, okay, this is she's making it sound way too easy. And she's making it sound like I can actually save some money and have a more competitive business. But they're, they're, they don't have someone on their side right now. How do they get a hold of you? Um, what's the best way to contact you? And then do you have anything that you can offer them as maybe a free download or some training or something like that? Absolutely. So I'm going to uh, create a special site just for your listeners. So if they go to altique.com forward slash blue collar culture, they will find my contact information along with the um book the ebook instant EBITDA and that will be a good place to get them started. There's also a link on that page if anybody would like to talk to me. They're free to schedule um, 15 minutes on my calendar whenever it is that works for them and I would be happy to help anybody and I will be able to help some people and other people I will need to direct elsewhere but I'm happy to do so. 
That's amazing. Thank you for that. And Altique is spelled A-L-T-I-Q-E.com. Uh, thanks again, Allison. I've really enjoyed it. Some great, great information. Uh, I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Allison. It's been great. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.